The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. Today I have a friend on, an old friend on, by the name of Barry Kluger, who wrote a book called A Life Undone, A Father's Journey Through Loss. And um, it really um, pays tremendous homage and respect to his daughter, Erica, and Barry, I couldn't put the book down last night. Well, that's actually rather good to hear. Uh, good morning, Cindy. Good morning. Um, I just have to give you my, my notes because sometimes, you know, we in the media business, as you are, we receive a lot of books from people we're going to talk to, right? We do. I mean, you know, everybody sends you proofs and, you know, you have your desk pile up with them, and this book in particular, when I received it earlier this week, I really wanted to, you know, sort of peruse it so we could have a deep conversation about it, and it became more than a perusal, because knowing you, it really pulled me in. So I would imagine that even if people didn't know you, it would still pull people in. Well, I, um, I, <clears throat> I certainly appreciate that. What's interesting is People who have picked up the book have usually finished it in one uh, sitting, and uh, I, I dare not say it's the uh, uh, the feel-good book of the uh, season, but it really mixes a great deal of humor along with the sorrow and pain that comes with losing a child, and I think that was unusual for a lot of people who picked up the book. They expected it to be this sad tale, of course there's sadness in it, but they did not expect to laugh at certain parts of the book, and that made me feel really good. People wrote me emails, people called and said, you know what, I was sitting in a Starbucks, and I was reading this book, and all of a sudden I started laughing, and I feel guilty, and I want these people to feel good about laughing and crying, because they're really celebrating Erica. Right, and I, I and you did that so well. I, from the first page, um, your your voice is so much you. I mean, you know, you have a really great voice in life as it is. So you know, it's you're not pulling a different voice. This is your voice. Um, anybody from the New York area is going to relate to it even more so because that's where you start with your upbringing and your family, and you even mentioned Glen Oaks. And anybody from Queens would know what going out. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? It's a it's a book written with perhaps a New York Long Island sensibility because quite frankly that's where I'm from. But in writing this, I uh as you said uh, from the beginning you get a sense of uh, who I am 
and that it sounded like my voice, and it is. When you're writing about something so deeply personal, you can't put a different face on it, and I think it's harder for professionals like you and I, because we are in what people uh, denigrate and call the spin business. Right. And uh, it, it's taking a story, taking a client, and putting a perspective on it. And I think the only way this book would have succeeded and can succeed is for it not to be a spin job, for it to be as honest and as true to my voice as possible. And you, having known me for a number of years, uh, humor is part of my life. Humor is a big part of my life. And I think if I lost that, I wouldn't have been true to myself and I would not have been true to Erica. Well, I'm sure, listen, it's a, it's a very emotional subject. You, your, your arc is, is so well explained. You know, you start from the very beginning, from when, you know, Erica was born, and then you take it all the way through to the day of the accident and, um, you know, what your feelings are in the many different stages of her teenage years and, you know, how you're growing through it and how you had ended a marriage and then found hope and started a new marriage. And, you know, the thing that works so well from a literary point of view, even though this is nonfiction, is you really build the arcs strongly from every character around you. And coming from the entertainment business, you knew that you had to do that. Not, not true, Cindy, because I'll tell you, in writing it, these things you're telling me about building the ark, uh, feeling a little bit like Noah myself, but in, <laughs> in, in, in trying to get this thing done, uh, and you, having come from the publishing world, uh, building the ark, all those things are not things I was very familiar with. In fact, uh, I remember from uh, high school, what, the uh, denouement and uh, whatever the other thing was, you know, high point and low point. Besides that, I knew nothing. I just started writing, and obviously uh, your, your critique is that I did it correctly, so I guess I did something right. It was an accidental thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know, I do want to, what I think is important, what I think people may take away from the book, especially men, is men grieve differently or sometimes they don't grieve at all. It's uh, Although we're in the 21st century, at least some of us are, uh, we are, we're still beholden to some of the old stereotypes. Men don't cry. Uh, men don't hug. Men don't eat quiche. And I know those things are pretty archaic, but it still exists. It really, I would say, is the majority of the way most families are run and how they how they operate and i had spoken with many fathers after erica died because i wrote many columns here for the arizona republic and put things on the internet and fathers of uh, especially daughters who had lost daughters found me on the internet and it was a very difficult process for them uh, we uh uh, there are books about women talking about loss. Not many men can face it, and when they do, they tend to be very stoic about it. And losing a child is nothing you can be stoic about. Uh, in the end, you're not going to be able to get away with uh, backpedaling out of a loss like that. You're going to have to deal with it head on. 
Yeah, no, well, it's, um, you make that, you make that very, very clear too. For any, you know, for any man that wants to really understand, um, the best that they can in how to challenge stereotypes, perhaps, and have real emotions, I think that you really work that through well. Um, so, you know, I, I guess it works a little bit to, you know, your advantage and publishing companies' advantage and even some of the, you know, you're, you're doing some proceed donations yes. in, to a couple of causes, so they'll benefit as well. Um, since there aren't many books in the man's grieving category, no, no, you know it works for you. You, you know, but we have so much to so much to talk about. So much to talk about. When did you decide? I mean, when did it come to you that you have to write a book about it? I mean, I'm, sh- you know, your your first year, you were still pretty, you know, paralyzed. I guess. Well, it, it's interesting. I have kept a, a journal since I was about 17. And the reason I kept the journal, there really was no um, uh, uh, no mystery to it. It was a way to write down um, romantic conquests, uh, keep a record who I dated, who I didn't date, what happened on the date. You know, it's just one of those things that, hey, don't all guys do that? So, <laughs> so I always kept the journal, and I always... I, I, I believe I was always pretty expressive. And I, with the advent of emails, I always kept emails. Uh, I think anyone out there listening should realize if they ever send me an email, uh, I'm not going to be like Howard Stern and it becomes public record, but I save everything. I'm a pack rat. Yeah, but you know what? If you save the email, it's probably it is public record. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. What can uh, you do? Yes. Uh, so I ended up. Um, uh, keeping emails after Erica died, and I wrote, uh, I wrote in my journal uh, within days, uh, within 24 hours, 48 hours after Erica died, just as a way of keeping a journal. Because I thought, you know what, in a couple of years, I'm going to want to go back and look and see what my thoughts were, what my feelings were. There were people telling me, oh, it'll be a rough year, it'll be a rough two years. Uh, one friend of mine said, eh, I think in about five years you'll start to come around. And as I note in the book, I said, five years, I really don't have that kind of time to wait till my life gets in order. So over the years, I wrote a few words here or there. And then last June, I was sitting with uh, one of the editors of a newspaper who I write for here. And she, quite frankly, asked me why the book hadn't been written. And it's one of those uh, guttural sounds that doesn't have uh, a word to it. I went, so there was never a definitive answer other than I just can't get my arms around it. When, in fact, I had gotten my arms around it, the grief, the sorrow. So I sat down. I had approximately 2,500 words, and I sat down late June of 2009, and within six weeks, I was up to 60,000 words. You just put your mind to it. I think that's when you and I had kind of got, gotten together for in Phoenix because yeah. I was doing some work there with yeah. um, Motivox Broadcasting Company. 
And uh, feel free to mention the uh, client. No. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, you know what? It's funny. <laughs> it's okay because they actually sold Voice America to someone else. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not go. really a plug as much as for respect. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that that's when you began to realize that you wanted to start writing something down. Yeah, yeah, and, and it all just started to flow. It was an amazing process to see. And as these things unfolded, I went back to my uh, notes. The interesting thing that, uh, uh, by the way, can I, uh, can I mention where the book is available? You're going to mention that this segment and the next. Oh, segment. okay. So this is Plug City. Barry, you no. know, go for it. Okay, well, it, the, uh, you can order, uh, the only place you can order a signed and inscribed copy of the book is at www.alifeundone.com, and that's spelled out A-L-I-F-E-U-N-D-O-N-E. Dot com. Did I spell that correctly? I think I did. Right, well, yeah, I have it in front of me. Good. Good. And, um... So getting back to uh, uh, writing it, I, people have said it must have been cathartic, and I am so quick to uh, correct them on that, that it was not cathartic. Uh, cathartic people uh, means many things for different people. For me, it was not a drawn-out range of emotion. It was the easiest book to write. It was a book of celebration. Remember, this was eight years after Erica died, and the book, having come out just uh, in the past week, uh, was nine years. So all of the, the pain, all of the catharsis, all of the hand-wringing occurred pretty much the first five or six years. Right. So it was not, it really was more of a celebration. No, no, I think that's really true, and that and that comes across. Well, listen, we're going to have to take our first commercial break, and yes, Barry, you can continue to plug in the next segment. Good. Um, so stand by, and we'll be right back with Barry Kluger, who is talking about his new book, A Life Undone. Okay, stand by. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. 
Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning. If you're just joining in, we're online with Barry Kluger, and he is the writer of A Life Undone, A Father's Journey Through Loss. Um, it's it's a fabulous book, and Barry, why don't you talk about where it's available right on the top of the segment. Okay, uh, the book is available, you can get a signed, uh, inscribed, inscri- uh, signed would just be my signature, inscribed as I make it personal, uh, at www.alifeundone.com. It also is available on Kindle, and it will be available more widely in a few months, what we're doing is making it available to other people for a limited time only who can get it signed. Because if you go to a store, you just get a guy going, hey, thanks for coming, next online, and you don't get the, uh, you don't get the personal touch. So uh, a lifeundone.com is the website. And you have chosen a couple of charities. You make it very clear in, in the story that Erica had wanted to be a dancer. Yes, and uh, in fact, the... Uh, inscription on her headstone is you will dance in our hearts forever she was a dancer and the charities are the uh, i'll be donating portion of the proceeds to the uh, erica kluger scholarship fund at the spotlight dance academy which is located out in port jefferson uh, long island also a uh, portion will go to autism speaks which is a uh, uh, favorite charity of mine because i have a nephew uh, his, who is autistic, and also uh, a fund set up in the name of Jeffrey Miller. Uh, it's uh, pretty interesting that we're speaking within 48 hours of the 40th anniversary of the uh, Kent State Massacre in 1970 when four students were killed. Uh, the foreword to my book was written by the mother of one of those four students, Elaine Miller-Holstein, and a fund was set up back in the town Jeffrey and I both grew up on, grew up in, Plainview, Long Island. And there's a fund at the high school that awards money to uh, high school graduates who are socially uh, conscious. Con- conscious? Uh, conscientious. 
I think it's, <laughs> yeah, it's usually in college where you kind of question whether they're conscious or not. So, no, uh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's great. You talk a lot in the book. Um, we talked about the beginning where you um, really discuss in depth the fun that you had during Erica's childhood. And although it was, there were a lot of challenges because there were a lot of geographic moves that had taken place. And you really take the time to take your reader through um, the moves from Manhattan and New Jersey and downtown and, you know, having to go out to Long Island so that, I mean, it really captures um, how much you had to juggle as a father to have a crazy job because when I met you, you were always already over at MTV, you had left USA and gone to MTV. So that was no easy task <clears throat> with the traveling that you had to do to L.A. and all of that kind of stuff, but yet you you moved around a lot. Was, I, uh, was, I, divorced, was I divorced at the time? Because I'm surprised we never dated. <laughs> I, I think when we had met, dated. I was still married to my ex and ah, dad, and I, had a six, and I had a six-week-old, and we talked about diapers and stuff. So, uh, I mean, timing I was, timing I, is everything, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that about talking about the moves and going here to there. It took its toll on Erica, but as far as my doing it, there was no question. And it doesn't make me a super dad doesn't make me a wonderful dad it makes me a father who takes on the responsibility uh, the responsibility he quote unquote signed up for so it was not a question of my making myself available even if it meant <laughs> leaving coming back at midnight uh, leaving the office uh, the only uh, the thing was it was very difficult on her because she felt torn between uh, two homes, and of course, I carried the guilt for that. And but you do you do the best you can. You try and balance. You try and be there for every recital, and you can't be there for everyone. But I certainly tried to be. Well, you really did. You struggled with it, I, and I know that you have. You make it very clear that your you, you know your work colleagues were sort of a support family, and I I can imagine the scramble. Of you know everybody having to get you out on a Friday, mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. so you could get that 3 p.m. out to Port Jefferson or Long Island, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, but then having to be back and the struggle of having to maybe be at you know a sales managers meeting in New York at 7:30 a.m. on a Monday. Yeah, and I, and I did it. I mean, there was really uh, no question about it. And as you say, I think it was really. Uh, and a lot goes to the supportive uh, environment uh, where I worked, uh, both both places uh, during the MTV years and the Prodigy years. But what was interesting is the uh, the environment they created for Erica. Erica had so many aunts, which were people who worked on my staff and people who worked alongside me and other executives. The uh, someone who worked for me, and I put the note in the book, once wrote a, uh, in her note she wrote to me, she said, I'll never forget, Erica once came up to my desk and said, you have to play with me or my dad will fire you. <laughs> and um, it wasn't true. Uh, uh, 
she resigned. No, she. Um, <laughs> so it was, and they loved when Erica would come up to MTV. She really was raised there, and she'd have no concern about walking into the CEO's office, and he could be in a meeting with record executives, whatever, and she would just walk in, uh, just wave her hand high, and he would go on with the meeting. And she would look and play with the things on his desk. Maybe there were some cool Nickelodeon things or MTV things. And she really thought these executives existed to have fun with her. And I think the most important thing is it helped her grow up with a respect but not a fear of grown-ups. And I think there are kids who grow up uh, with a Mr. This, Mr. That. Uh, I was raised in one of these left-wing liberal, uh, may have been a communist uh, household, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. We, we did have four people living in the cellar who were from the Soviet Union, and uh, I think they were running a, a cell from the basement. But um, So I grew up where people were not Mr. and Mrs. Uh, their friends, my brother and I would call them by their first names. And they say familiarity breeds contempt. And I disagree with that. Familiarity, I think, builds a sense of confidence. I had that as a kid, and Erica had that growing up and being in the workplace and generally being around older people. That She was very comfortable in her skin. Yeah, no, well, you know, it has a lot to do with the way that you make somebody feel comfortable in their skin. You know, as parents, we could either... Well, you- you know, I mean, you, you exposed her to an environment that was very, you know, you were in a time and a place where you were able to expose her to an environment that not many parents could have exposed their kids to. Hello? Are you there? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's funny. You seem to disappear for a moment. And as we all know, working in radio, that's known as dead air. And it's oh, the most well, we, we just heard you say hello, hello. So I don't know how dead it really was. I, I My point was is that you had an extraordinary background. How many kids can say that their dads were a top executive at MTV and then take them to the MTV, you know, office? Yes. And hang out with them. There's not many kids that have that opportunity, right? No, no, there are not. However, that also seemed to be a problem sometimes and a bone of contention with her family back on Long Island. Because when Erica would come to visit, uh, her stepdad had indicated I was like the good uncle who only saw the great part and the fun part and never had to share the discipline uh, or the tough times. Well, and it's a I, country club dad, too, right? Yeah. 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 And, um, but it was, uh, uh, and yes, there were not many kids who could say that about their parents, but I think it caused a uh, conflict for her at home, it also, because she was so far away, I think it made me uh, be a little less uh, authoritative or uh, want to discipline her because my time with her was so limited that if she had done something wrong, I'd probably let her get away with a lot more than I normally would have because I I didn't have... Yeah, I think that's, that's probably true. But you also gave her a lot more than anybody could have. Listen, we have to take another commercial break. Could you stay on for one I more sure segment, can. Barry? You bet. Good, because in the next segment I want to talk about um, you know, how after the accident 
you were really, you know, your, you know, your search for peace and acceptance, um, reconciling with reality, for lack of a better description, um, and, you know, trying to put the pieces of your life back together and um, moving on, even though it's very, very clear that this is not a matter of forgetting her. This is a matter of just being able to rebuild after you go through something that you went through. And um, we'll talk to you in a couple of minutes. So everybody stand by and we'll have one last segment with Barry Kluger. Great. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At BR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. BR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of BR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.brpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. BR Public Relations. We do it all. www.brpublicrelations.com. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The Dream Big Revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the Dream Big Revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back in our last segment with Barry Kluger, writer of A Life Undone, A Father's Journey Through Loss. And 
Barry, I didn't know that I was going to keep you for three segments, but I didn't know that I was going to actually read the whole book in one sitting either. Well, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Besides, I live in Arizona, and the only thing to do is uh, uh, smoke cigars, uh, play golf, and uh, do interviews with uh, good old friends. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> it's interesting um, how you talk about instead of retiring to Florida like you decided it wasn't for you and that you were going west. Yeah, it was uh it uh, the um the cultural history of my people is quite deep. Uh and our tribal ancestral tribal home is uh, Dade County. Um and uh <laughs> we decided to move to Arizona because I'd been out here uh, on business. I liked it. And my uh, wife's sister had moved out here. So uh, we came out here, and Erica was to follow. And uh, I would be untrue to myself and to Erica and to the spirit of the book uh, to say that the uh, move out here, uh, once Erica came, did not have its problems. There were issues with uh, discipline. There were issues uh, with drugs. This was, uh, uh, this was a case of girls gone wild. Yeah, I know that, and you and you really described that well. Every dad, you know how many people you you've researched the statistics, and you mentioned even in your book that how many normal parents have to go through, you know, the these kinds of challenges, you know, addiction challenges with their teenage kids. I mean, you know, it's not something that happens to just those people, right? I mean, it happens yeah. to all of us. Yeah, and I didn't want to uh, candy uh, sugarcoat it. I think I did hold back on a few things, few things that weren't necessary. Uh, names of friends who were uh, who were involved. Uh, this really was in our home. It was Erica's issue. Other families, uh, if their children were involved, had those issues. And what is important, and I don't want to appear to move off the uh, topic of her uh, uh, drug history or drug use because it's there in the book, but she was not killed by bad behavior or a spiraling life. She was killed in a freak accident. Right, so, and, you, and that's one of the things that you had mentioned at the beginning of the book or even in the intro, you know, it's so easy to attach guilt Mm-hmm. to a shock like that. Right. You know, was it, you know, and you had to really get clarity on the fact that this was just, you know, you got to take the incident as it was, and it was a tragic accident, and that's what it was. Yeah, it was. And uh, it. Um, I remember after Erica died, uh, going to uh, the rabbi of the uh, synagogue here. I was not a member. Uh, but I needed someone to do the funeral. And I met him, and he said, uh, you know what, it sucks. I said, that's it? That's your biblical uh, advice? And he said, if I were to tell you it was God's will, he said, you'd never step inside a synagogue again. He'd say, why should I go and have faith or worship or whatever with someone who's going to take an 18-year-old kid? So... Uh, it was, uh, and, and to me, and it's in the book, that's just one of the, uh, to me, one of the fun things and the beauties of Judaism is that it's a 
rather sarcastic religion. Right. It, you know how if you, and you make it very clear that you grew up in, you know, with the Jewish family and the yeah. Jewish background and. You know, Judaism always played a role in your life, but then after you um, had to start dealing with the accident, um, you know, you are really funny in the way that you start questioning. You know, Judaism is a big part of it, and your sarcasm and your questioning of Judaism is a part of it. But, you know, you've re- resolved some of that. You've worked through it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. I uh, And uh, having uh, written a book and read it a few times, uh, it's it, which I always think is important when uh, to actually sit down and read the book and try and read it uh, as a reader, not as the author. But I did not have this newfound religion because I was always culturally, you uh, um, culturally uh, immersed in uh, Judaism. I think what it brought me was probably a new kind of spirituality. But I'm not going to say faith either. Uh, I don't go to synagogue. I don't pray. I'm probably more uh, cosmic. That might be the word. I think about that. As my wife said, she said, when I ask you uh, what time it is, I want you to tell me what time it is, not how the watch was made. And that has often been uh, my philosophy and recently i guess since erica died i'm probably telling more people how the watch is made right well okay. you know it's you're you're calling it you know spiritual or cosmic it's it's philosophical really mm-hmm. you're, you're looking at things like plato would have looked at things yes plato he had that club in new york i think <laughs> On the Upper West Side. I never met him, but I hear he's a lovely man. <laughs> I mean, you're, you just, it, I think that your brain just starts thinking more philosophically. You know, it's, it's not, you, you don't look at things like this is what it is. You're looking at things like this is why it is. Yeah, you know, well, actually, it's interesting. I would agree and disagree in the same breath, the why it is. I don't think we'll ever find the answer to why as to why Erica was killed in an accident. Uh, the why, it depends how you look at it. There's a simple why, which is she's driving down the street, road curves, she's not paying attention, gets into a fatal car accident. That's one why. If we're looking for the spiritual whys, I don't think anyone's ever going to find them. Who's, going, who's there to explain why something happens? So sometimes dealing with the the real, the physical, that's a lot easier to uh, uh, deal with. Anyone asked, she was going to work on a day she wasn't supposed to go. Uh, as I jokingly say, she probably was uh, reaching over to get her Bobby Brown lipstick out of her Kate Spade bag. Mm. She wasn't paying attention. And boom, she got into a car accident and she died. Uh, plain and simple. And it really is, in a sense, that plain and simple. But it's all the stuff around it, the mourning, the recollection, the sorrow, the sadness. And I would like to believe that I did her justice, I did her memory justice. And to me, the most important thing is someone's going to read it and hopefully take something away from it. Not only how to deal with grief, but maybe how to live their own life. Or, as I said in the eulogy, they'll put down the book and which is available at www.alifeundone.com. But hopefully they will put down the book and maybe pick up the phone and call a kid at college or uh, 
go in and check on their kids doing homework and spend that extra second because they realize that life is so fragile. Well, it's a gift that you're giving to everybody. Don't take for granted that. Don't take the fact that you have children for granted and ever, right? I mean, no. it's a gift and, you know, it's you've learned when you got the phone call, I guess, you were on a golf course. I was on a golf exactly. course. Yeah, actually, the phone call was left on the machine. Right. And uh, when I called in and they said, yeah, your daughter's been in an accident, I said, how bad? They said, pretty bad. They, of course, weren't going to tell me that she had been uh, dead already for right, however right. long the period was, 17 minutes. But um, it's, uh, and although I sort of hate the cliche that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, it really does. Uh, and there are people who have said to me, well, I lost my parents, and I know it's not, it's not as bad as losing a child, and I feel like saying, shut up. You know, it's, there's no standard of death and the impact that we should feel from it, whether it's a child or a parent. A loss is a loss. The only people I have problems with who say, I know what it's like, I lost a dog. Um, but someone who says, I lost a parent, I lost a brother, I lost a cousin, it's not like losing a child. It's, don't compare your death to mine in your own world. You were impacted by whatever happened, and your, uh, your sorrow uh, is no less than mine, or the hole in your heart is no less than mine. So that's how I kind of attack that. But, yeah, no, but those, right, dog and those dog and parakeet lovers, I hate them. <laughs> you, you really do manage to make a joke out of anything. <laughs> well, you know what? It's You get tired of crying. Yeah, no, I think that's really true. And you certainly, you know, you, you certainly made clear that there was a lot of pain and a lot of tears and, and still will be. But I want to congratulate you on tackling... The subject the way that you did, because I think from my point of view, it's a book of encouragement and optimism and finding the good things in life for really anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not simply a story about, you know, what you went through, but it's like you mentioned before, it's sharing some of the things that people really do take for granted in life and they really ought to revisit it. And I guess you'll feel very fulfilled if everybody picks up the book and does that. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I think the best way to uh, kind of say how I think the book can be helpful is if one person is moved by it. And uh, although, as I said, I am not a holy roller, there are some great things and great spiritual works to pull from. And there's one phrase in the uh, Talmud which is kind of, uh, for those of you listeners who don't know, it's kind of like the NFL playbook for Jews. <laughs> and it, they say, he who saves a life is as if he has saved all of mankind. And you know what? One person reads a book, it helps them be a better person, deal with their grief, come out on the other side. Then you know what? I did something pretty good. Well, listen, we wish you all the best with this, Barry. Um, when you come to L.A., let's have a cup of coffee. At um, least, again, at least. congratulations on A Life Undone, A Father's Journey Through Loss, pro- um, 
proceeds from this book will go to the Erica A. Kluger Dance Scholarship at Spotlight Dance Academy and to Barry's chosen charity, Autism Speaks, and it's a lifeundone.com for your inscribed copy. Right, Barry? Yes, inscribed. Right, well, listen, and... thanks for joining. Um, stand by for our next guest who's also an author that writes about a girl's life, but it's a little different. Barry, good luck. Congratulations. Bye-bye. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back, and I have another successful writer on the air with me right now who is also another person who I have spent um, a good years of my working past with, and his name is Richard Shankman, and he just wrote the book, The Girl from Atlantis. Welcome, Richard. Good morning. Thank you. Um, the Girl from Atlantis has a really nice website. 
It does. Thank you. <laughs> That's the first thing I need to say to you. It has a really nice website. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Um, by, uh, you must be referring to www.thegirlfromatlantis.com. I must be referring um, to exactly that. <laughs> um, and, 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 since, uh, and since the is so easy to forget, I also, uh, I also have just www.girlfromatlantis.com. E- either way, you end up at the same site. Well, listen, it seems to me from following you on Facebook, okay, because, you know, we all have to look at what each other's up to, right, <laughs> that your first autograph session was a great success. It was. Um, it, 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 it was. It was a great success, although it's really interesting. Uh, these indie bookstores, boy, they are, they are difficult. Um, uh, I, it was actually easier for me to get the book into the system at Barnes & Noble uh, than into some of these indie bookstores. I'm not sure what... Uh, what is up with them? Well, they're probably just facing the same kind of economic crunch as everybody else's during these recessionary times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And mom and pop stores probably are taking a real hit, unfortunately. But listen, it's great that you got to do a reading there and you got friends and family to all come out and, you know, get signed copies of the books. But let's, since we only have a short amount of time together, what prompted you to write it? Well, it's funny that your previous uh, conversation was about loss. Um, what prompted me to write it uh, in, in sort of real-world terms is my daughter and I were visiting the Atlantis Resort down in the Bahamas, and uh, we were walking around one day, and we saw that in their, book shop, in their gift shop, they were selling a book about a girl, a picture book for young kids about a girl who lived at the resort. And so we stopped in, and I thought, well, let's buy that, and, you know, that looks great. And she said, well, let's read it first. So we read it. And we were both, you know, kind of underwhelmed. We thought, she was, if you're going to have a story about a girl who lives at the Atlantis, you've got to have resorts, I mean, uh, mermaids, and you've got to have uh, some connection to, to undersea life and, and, and really kind of um, explore the mythology of the place, which is that uh, it was inspired by the mythical lost continent you know, the lost city, and that they have certain artifacts from there on display and so forth. So we were walking back to our room. We started beating out a story, basically, of, of, of what, would, uh, what would really be the situation of a girl who lived there. Why did she live there? You know, did, did her, one of her parents work there? Okay, great. And how do mermaids come into it and all that? And by the time we got back to our room, we had the beginnings of a story. But as I started writing it, I realized that thematically I was, in a lot of ways, dealing with my own sense of loss, which was um, the end of my marriage. And, right. I, and I realized that I was exploring thematically a lot of those feelings of kind of grieving for that particular loss, and that was coming out in the story as well. So it ended up being uh, this very cathartic uh, journey for me to actually to write the story and, 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 see it, and see it published. Well, you did it in a pretty short amount of time. Yes, um, and the way I was able to do that was by self-publishing. Uh, I started to I started the process of submitting it to publishers and to agents and stuff, and it seemed like every every time one of them was going to evaluate it, it was going to take a month or two, and then and then maybe they would pass. So you'd have to go to the next person, and I realized it was going to be over a year before I even got somebody to at least isn't the publishing process isn't it <laughs> isn't it a journey. Well, what I find really interesting about it is uh, I, I, used to, um, I used to publish up James Bond fanzine, and as part of that uh, operation, I, I sold advanced copies of all the new Bond books to the members and to the subscribers of the magazine. And I found dealing with publishing companies then 
that things hadn't changed a whole hell of a lot since Charles Dickens was actively publishing. And, um, and, and, and it's the same way now. The, these guys are, are living in the, 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 at best, the early 20th century. Um, no, you're and, right. I, you know, it's, listen, we both come from the entertainment business, and then when we watch the publishing industry, we continue to <laughs> scratch our heads, right? It's just these people, you know, I, 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 I get the feeling that they're all sort of these, and even though there's lots of young people there, they all seem like these old guys that just say, well, you know, uh, uh, it's in bad taste to make too much money. We, we object to that around here. <laughs> we are in support of the printed word, and money, well, that just defiles the process. <laughs> <laughs> you are hilarious. So screw that. I'm going to self-publish. But you know what? Um, the thing about it is, is that you've done it with such high quality. I mean, you know, you're a guy that takes a lot of pride in the way that he does creative and art, right? You're yes. not gonna. I mean, you like you come from this, you know, the world of entertainment where everything has to look beautiful, and you didn't let anybody down. You didn't scrimp or save on. You know. No. My feeling was, uh, I, I guess I had a couple of uh, things, uh, guiding principles. Number one was, there's an excellent possibility this is the only time I'm ever going to get to do this. So, so it better be good. Um, beyond that, I, I truly, I wanted a book that would look and feel like the books I loved most when I was a kid. Uh, as simple as that. Like I Where had the Wild super... Things Are, I think you mentioned, was inspiration. Am I right? What's or... that? I was talking. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I asked. Was it was where the wild things are part of the inspiration? Um, well, sure. That's a, that's a, of course that's a wonderful book. But that's a picture book. That you know what I'm thinking more of actually was this obscure book from 1949. Um, it was a it was a hardcover about Superman that was printed, and um, it 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 had these beautiful black and white illustrations in it. And then every so often, it would have a, a, a full colored plate. And um, not too many, just a few scattered through the book. And whenever you would come upon one, it was such a wonderful surprise. And, and I always treasured that book. And um, that was sort of the feeling that. And, and, and I really love what Kate Camillo is doing these days with her books. There's a certain kind of a look to them, especially The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. And so I just wanted something that would be a keepsake. Plus, I, I, I knew that it would be sold in the hotel. And so I exactly. wanted something that would be an effective souvenir of, of a kid's stay at the resort. I, I know. I, well, you thought of a lot of different marketing angles that make sense. The girl from Atlantis. What is your, now, what does your daughter think? Was she one of your first critics? Uh, well, uh, sure. Um, she was both a critic and a collaborator, really. We, we really, really did beat out the story together. We truly did. Um, and then as I continued to, to write it, I, I showed it to her. And then when it was done, I read it aloud to her second-grade class uh, over the course of a week, about a half an hour a day for a week. And they were just wrapped. It was, it was wonderful to see their little faces, just their eyes like saucers as the, thing, as the thing kept going. And then finally, at the end of the week, I finished. And one of the toughest kids in her class said, read it again. Oh, well, no, that's really, really great. So give us the website again so that people can go and buy a copy. Atlantis.com. Either yeah. Girl from Atlantis or The Girl from Atlantis. There's lots of free entertainment for kids. There's coloring and games and downloads and puzzles. Uh, of course, people can order the book there. They can order it at Amazon. It's in all the gift shops when they go to the Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas, where it's selling very, very well. Are you, did you do an autograph session there? Um, I am in August. Uh, we're actually going to be... We, we tend to go down about once a year uh, in late summer. And uh, this year it'll be August 23rd. And um, I'm sure I'll be doing a reading and a signing down there. 
Well, that's really fun. I'm sure that it will be a, it will be a legend by the time you get there, and people will be lining up outside of the door, and um, that'll be a lot of fun for you. I wish you the best of luck, and um, thank you for stopping by the show. I know that you're juggling getting your daughter to school and stuff like that, but um, it's really I was very very impressed with the creative. It just showed me that you didn't really. You, you didn't hold back, and you're giving some, a lot of people a quality product, and congratulations, and I hope a lot of you just go and buy it. Well, Richard, thank you. Any last words? Uh, no, no, I'm just a, thank you for having me. I just, uh, it, it, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. Pleasure to talk to you. I love seeing you on Facebook. I feel like we're together all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, talk to you soon. Keep me updated, okay, guys? I will. I will, absolutely. All right, take care. Everybody have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American idol. I've got synthetic I kill my mother to get out. I'm a teen. It's great. I am a death row psycho.